Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 2. I believe it's page 734 in those soft cover Bibles there in your seats. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. And uh, as you turn in there this morning, I've got one question for you. This is the most important question, and I know it's on everybody's mind, at least everybody under, like, 50. Um, and that is this. What do you want for Christmas? That's, we're talking about Christmas gifts. Like, what do you want for Christmas? You know, what, what do you, you know, do you want phone? You know, do you want cash? Do you just want a vacation? You know, do you want a, a vacation from your family? Um, do you want a vacation with your family? I don't know. Don't judge. You know, do you want boots? Uh, do you want clothes, a sweater? Do you want video games? Like, what do you, what do you want? You know, I'm, I'm easy. I'm easy. All, all I want, all I want for Christmas is for the Giants to win today. That's all I want. I want the Giants to beat the Steelers today. You know, that's, is that too much to ask? You know, look at all these Steelers people. We got even a throwback jersey back there. Yeah, even his daughter, you know. Oh, we got a Giants sweatshirt. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, Giants, raise your hand. Giants. All right, Steelers, raise your hand. All right, don't care, raise your hand. There we go. All right, there we go. All right, got a couple of don't cares. Pastor Kevin and Nikki, if you, if you haven't noticed, aren't here today. We... They're, they're on the road. Um, they're actually right now en route to Pittsburgh. They have tickets to the game. They are going to watch the Steelers lose to the Giants today. So, you know, hey, it's a long drive. It's going to be a longer drive back. But, you know, but that's, I mean, I'm easy. That's all I want for Christmas, right? That's it. That's it. Um, so, I don't know. What do you want? What do you want for Christmas? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody want? You got something you want for Christmas? Yell it out. What you want? Anybody? Guys, up there, what do you want? What do you want for Christmas? Brett, what do you want for Christmas? Brett, what do you want for Christmas? Go ahead. Shoes. Shoes. All right. All right. Pedro, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, you don't know. I don't know. I'm sure your mom's got a list. All right. She's got, she's, yeah, she said, yeah, she's got a list. Any, any adults? Anything you want for Christmas? Anything? Anybody? Crockpot? <laughs> Vacuum cleaner? No. No, those are not the good gifts. Jewelry? Any jewelry? Any jewelry? Jewelry? All right. Some bling, you know, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? Well, all sorts of stuff. You know, you don't want to, you don't, you, see, nobody actually wants to say what they really want for Christmas. You know, I know you all want socks. Like, socks. I just love Christmas socks. You know, no, you know, one year, my, my wife's grandmother and Anna's grandmother got me, it was like a dozen pairs of socks. Like the thick wool, big socks. And I remember just going like, oh my goodness. Can I tell you, I wore those socks for years. That was like, you know, don't knock it. Like, sometimes those practical gifts, you know, they, they, they last. Today we're going to talk about the Christmas story. It's December, we're going there, we're embracing Christmas all the way. And uh, so, you, you, you know, you're familiar with, with the Christmas story. We're going to read it in, in a little bit. But to give you some background, we're going to, it's been a year of giving. There we go, we got a year of giving. And we're going to just think about giving in, in the sense of, during the Christmas story, some gifts were given. We're going to talk about the wise men. Um, these were, uh, if you've heard the word magi, things like that, you know, wise men, kings from the east, all this. It was a name given by the Babylonians, the Persians, the Medes to, uh, to people who were teachers, priests, physicians, 
um, astrologers, interpretive, interpreters of dreams, fortune tellers, sort of like this mystical, these people who operate in the mystical realm. Um, it was the name they gave to them. These were Gentiles. Okay, so Gentiles means they were not Jewish. That's really what it means. Is either you're either Jewish or you're not Jewish. So if you're if you're not Jewish, they called you a Gentile. So these guys were not Jewish, which was a big deal to Jewish people. Um, quite likely, they were from Arabia. Uh, so just so you can get you know, in terms of our modern day geography, you know where they're from. So these are Arabian um, astrologers, fortune tellers, kind of. Um, uh, usually leaders in the religious court life of their country of origin. Um, and th- this wasn't like just a common magician, right? You had like your hucksters, you know, like you guys on the street, like doing card tricks. This is not that kind of magician. This is this was a pretty lofty, elevated, wealthy, you know, they were up there. They were they were very well respected in their culture. Um, and in Arabia, particularly gold was mined in Arabia. You know, the three, the three gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We kind of heard that through the story through here. Gold was mined in Arabia. Frankincense and myrrh are harvested from trees that only grow in southern Arabia. Um, so basically, this is probably wealthy, wealthy people who lived in, in that desert region, and they would have access to gold, to frankincense, and to myrrh. So it would have been very logical for somebody from that region, um, who kind of was a, you know, a magi from that area, to come and give those gifts um, as we've heard in the story before. And it's really interesting because the people of Israel have been waiting for a long time for like a Messiah to come. If you know Israel's history, they've been waiting for a long time for God to send this Savior. And it's really funny because the first people that God goes to to kind of reveal this are not Jewish. <laughs> God reveals it to, to, to Gentiles. You know, they want, they, and uh, it's, it's really uh, obviously pretty doubtful that these men really understood what was going on. Um, people, like you say, the, you know, they, were, they were wise men. They knew exactly who Jesus was. You know, they, were, they probably understood that he was a king and something special because they're reading you know, the stars and stuff. But I don't know that they really understood what they were doing. All right. And that's going to play in as we read this story. So let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, gives you a little bit of context. Now let's read the story. This is what it says. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. You can listen to it in like Linus's voice if you'd like to, you know, Peanuts, Charlie Brown, all that. Um, During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king? Now the king was like a leader of the people, the prince, the commander, the lord of the land. Where's this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. King Herod, right? He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, this is interesting, right? They said, we're coming to look for the king. And Herod knows history, knows Jewish law. And guess what? He doesn't say, well, where is this king? What he says is this. He says, where is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? See, he understands that king is, like, in, in terms of prophecy, like, that's what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about king of the Jews, like, you know, a guy's going to lead an army. He knows this is talking about, like, this is what the Jewish people have been waiting for. So where is he supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler, the leader, the commander, the one who has authority, will come from you, who will be the shepherd who tends the flock, who watches over the people of Israel. And Herod called for a private meeting with his wise men. And he learned from them the time the star first appeared. Just so we're clear, Herod is not a good guy. He's not curious. Herod considers himself king. He's threatened by this. He's not like... And so he's he's a power-hungry, 
right? Like self-absorbed person. And he says this, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Mm, right, right. Yeah, I'm, I want to go worship him too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. Um, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Like we read this stuff like it's normal. Just, right, like did anybody just even think anything of that last sentence? But a star leads people from Arabia to Bethlehem, right? We're talking like a many months journey. A star moves and stops over a house. That's not normal. Let's just make sure we're, we're not missing this in this story. It said, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let me ask you, if you were a new mother, I know it might be tough for some of us, but if you were a new mother, what would you want? I'd love some gold right now. Give me some some frankincense and some myrrh, right? Uh, how about how about a day at the spa, right? Could you give me you know some diapers, uh, food? If you were a toddler, what would you want? Would you want you know gold pacifier? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I'd be like, I want a I want a bouncer, right? I can jump in that thing all day. Like that's what I that's what I that's what I want. And they get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I, these gifts are not random. In Isaiah, generations and generations and generations before this happened, this is what God says. As arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Think about what we just read and now what is being prophesied in like hundreds and hundreds of years before. Darkness as black as night covers over all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Kind of sounds like a star. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Hmm. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Gets even more specific. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The camels of Midian and Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and we'll come worshiping the Lord. See, gold and frankincense, this wasn't just like, hey, what do you got? Oh, I got some gold, I got some frankincense, I got myrrh. Hey, let's go bring that, right? It's, this is something God had ordained long before. There's something significant about these gifts. They meant something. They revealed something. These were revelations from God. So today we're going to look at just that first gift, gold. Gold was prized throughout the ancient world, right, as a medium of exchange as well as for making jewelry and ornaments and dining utensils for royalty like they had gold forks and gold plates and gold cups like this if you had gold it was a symbol of wealth and 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 power and privilege now i want to clarify i don't think that the wise men were making a statement when they i don't think they thought if i bring gold it'll mean this and if i bring frank i don't think they knew what they were doing but i fully believe that god planted this in their hearts because he was making a statement because of those gifts because why if it didn't matter why would he have said gold and frankincense way back because there's something about them. God was revealing to the world who this kid was. This was no ordinary child. This was the king. 
And the wise men sensed it. They said, where is this newborn king of the Jews? And Herod sensed it. And he considered himself king of the Jews. And he's, he's not digging this. See, Jesus was not just a king. He was the king. Like the, the king, like capital K. He's the ruler, the great, the great shepherd. Now Israel, just so we know, Israel had shepherds come and go. I mean, kings come and go. They'd had 42 kings in their history. What's another one? What's another king? Like, so what? I mean, they, they had king after king after king. Some did good, some did bad. You can read them. There's a whole book called Kings. <laughs> Two books, First Kings, Second Kings. It's just about the kings. Right? There's lots of kings. What's another one? What, what, what's different about this one? So, let's fast forward to the end of Jesus' life on earth. Now, he's on the cross. I'm going to, I know, I'm, I'm going to take on a little bit of a, spirit, a scriptural journey, and I apologize for that, but you're at church, so deal with it. <laughs> Sorry. He's at the end of his life. He's on the cross. He's hours from death. And history, this is what history records about Jesus' final moments on earth. Ready? John says this, there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left, with Jesus in between. And Pilate, who was the ruler at that time, posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The end of his life, he's got a sign over him saying this is the king of the Jews. At his birth, they're saying king of the Jews. At his death, they're saying king of the Jews. But was this the king that they think they were hoping for? Like in the little baby, they're thinking, the king. Do you think they envisioned that down the road their king would be on a cross? crucified, beaten up, and mocked? You think that's what they're thinking of when they think of king? See, I think when they thought king, they're thinking like victorious king coming on a war horse and leading us to victory out of this, you know, oppression by, by you know, the Romans. What kind of king is he going to be? And that's what I want to center in on today. Isaiah says this. Just what kind of king is Jesus? He says the Lord will be our mighty one. He'll be like a wide river of protection that no enemy can cross. That no enemy ship can sail upon. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He will care for us and save us. See, he's the kind of king that protects you from enemies you don't even know about. That's what kind of king he says he's going to be. See, there have been dangers to you in your life that you don't even know were a threat. And God says, I I protected you from that. He's the protector who cares and saves, but that's not all. See, when the king, Proverbs tells us this, when the king smiles, Proverbs 16 says this, when the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. Anybody know that when you walk into a, the presence of a king, like, do you remember when we had um, the, the Mike, Mike here from uh, a country in the east, Bhutan? Do you remember that? You talked about the king and like when he went to talk to the king. He had to cover his mouth. You couldn't, you couldn't even, he couldn't even show his mouth when he talks to a king. Like he had to do this. There's reverence. Do you know, like, how the king looks at you determines your fate? If you walk in and the king shows you favor, hey, you're welcome. Come on in. Talk to me. But if you walk in and the king's got issues with you, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> you're off with his head. You know, like, the king determines what goes on. The king smiles. You live to tell about it. The favor of the king, when the king not only likes you, but gives you blessings. Listen, he says the kind of king that God is, isn't just a king that like when you walk into his presence, he's like, hmm, let me think. Do I want to welcome you in? He says, no, this king smiles at you and gives you blessings. It's like, he says, like rain to dry ground. 
It rejuvenates, it's re- it restores, it's grace. Jesus is a king who looks at you. And think about walking into a king. And when you walk before the king, he looks at you and his face is filled with joy and favor and kindness towards you. That's the kind of king he is. But he's not done. Proverbs 29, a just king gives stability to his nation, but one who demands bribes destroys it. How the king handles conflict affects more than himself. It affects the entire country. So he says the king judges, the king who judges between his people fairly gives his country stability, strength, the confidence to stand. The king who seeks to do what is fair cares about the people, but the king who serves self, anybody know a leader who serves himself? You know the difference. You feel the difference. The one who serves himself, who judges in favor of the highest bidder, that king is weak, they're selfish, ultimately contributes to the destruction and demise of his people. He says kings, how they rule affects their people. And Jesus is a king who judges with absolute and total justice. There's nobody more fair. Like, we like to think we're, we're just people. Like, if we were king, if you were king, I would be just. Oh, I would, I would make this and this, because and, I would know how to make it right. Jesus is, all his ways are just and true. He is truth. He is truth. And it says, the, the, the stability, that lasts, the stability. See, the kingdom of God, it's unshakable. But that's not all. And um, we'll get into the good parts, I promise. In Isaiah 43, we read this. He says, I am the Lord. He's revealing himself. And he says this. You ready for this? You've got to really buckle up. He says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. Again, revealing himself as King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. This is talking about Egypt. You know, the story of Moses leading them out of Egypt. I made a path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives, snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Stop there. God is the king who leads his people out of bondage from 400 years of slavery into the promised land. It's one of the greatest acts of rescue in human history. He leads over a million people out of slavery through a desert like miraculously lets this most powerful force in the world just let them go, leads them out through the Red Sea, that parts that they can walk through. I mean, it, it sounds incredible, but listen to what he says in verse 18. After this incredible thing, he says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Like, you for real? Think about that. He says that whole leading a million people out of Egypt across a desert through the Red Sea out into the promised land. He says, that's nothing. I'm just warming up, man. (laughs) Come on. This is crazy. He says this. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Can I tell you, the king, your king, our king, his best is still yet to come. Everything he's done in human history, he says, that's nothing. Nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just warming up. I just want to encourage you today. Let's just, if there's any situation in your life you feel like is impossible, you're facing something you're like dude this is dry desert I'm, I'm dying here this is a situation beyond hope this has been too long i've been in this too long there is i've tried everything there's no way out of here this is the god 
who says, remember that whole thing? That's nothing. I will make a way. Where there isn't a way. I'm going to do something new, something you can't even see. I will make a pathway through the wilderness, rivers, overflowing rivers. I will put fish in dry wasteland. And he's still, he's still warming up. Isaiah 44, 6, he says, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. Ready? Man, this is, this is like God's starting to say, okay, now, let's get warmed up. Now, let me tell you who I am. Ready? Let me, let me really tell you who I am as king. He says, I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who is like me? Let him, or, I, I mean, step up. Who's like me? Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained his future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my promises, my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. Anybody want to challenge the king? Come on. Come on. See, see God is the king who knows he's the king. He's not afraid to say I'm the king. He says, I own it. I take responsibility for it. It's me. I can handle it. I'm the king of all kings. Timothy summarizes it better than I could. He says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen means it's over. It's done. Drop the mic. Walk away. That's what it means. Immortal. I am incorruptible. I am imperishable. You can't kill me. I am the king who always will be. Invisible. I'm the king who can't be seen. I'm beyond your ability to even see me. I'm the only king without companion. I'm the king today. I will always be the king. I've always been the king. You can't dethrone me. You can't hurt me. You can't outlast me. I'm bigger than you know, greater than you can imagine, and I will always be so. When it's all said and done, at the end of time, here's my favorite part. At the end of time, Revelation 19.16 says, On his robe, at his thigh, is written this title. When Jesus comes back, at the end of time, this is how the story's going to end. You know what's going to be written on his thing? On the back of his jersey, you know what he's got? King of kings, Lord of lords. End of it. I win. I'm the king. You feeling it? He's saying, listen, there's nothing like me. I am the king above every other king. I love how David expresses this. It's the last scripture I'm going to read, I think. If I read one more, I'm sorry. I think that's it. Is this the Lord is king? Listen to this. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and can't be shaken. It's everything we just talked about. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The The floods have lifted their pounding waves. You ready? The floods are coming. The floods are challenging the king. He's on the throne. They're saying, floods are coming. You're You're not so great, king. Here come the floods. And guess what? But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore. I mean, you've seen videos of waves. You've been at the beach and felt the power of waves. You've been knocked over in the ocean by waves you didn't even see coming. It says the mightiest waves, 30 foot, 40 foot, 100 foot waves, doesn't matter. It says the mightiest breakers, mightier than those. The Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. 
Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. Take away one thing from today. One thought. What did you hear at church? Here it is. Jesus is the greatest king our world will ever know. He is the greatest king our world will ever know. I don't know if, I can be honest, I don't know that the wise men had all that in their head when they gave Jesus gold. I don't know if they, they were thinking of all of that stuff about this king when they gave Jesus that little baby some gold. But I think God prompted their hearts to say, this is something royal. So they gave the most expensive thing they could think of, which was gold. And God was revealing to us something about that child, that this is no ordinary child, but this is going to be a king, and not just a king, but the king of all kings. So what? So what? We walk out of here. So what? The wise men said, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, the wise men expressed their worship by giving, and they gave gifts to fit for a king and they gave him gold. They said it wasn't about the gold. So today, a few questions for you. Here's the questions, and I can't answer these, only you can. So these are just reflective questions. First one is this. Is Jesus your king? He is the king, but is he your king? See, because only you know that, and only you decide that. Do you submit to his kingship in your life? Do you yield to him? Do you say, God, I want you to be my king? Like, I don't know what kind of king you want. You're not going to get a better king. And you serve in somebody. We all, we all have a king. You get to choose who your king is, but you've got a king. You want, you want to be the king? Right, it's good to be king. You know. Come on, you know. Wash my feet. You want to be king? Huh? Feels good to be uh, served once in a while, you know. I don't, but you want the responsibility of protecting and just judging and you know defending and leading the way and doing all that. Or do you would you want to have the king be your king? So if he is your king, the question is this: What are you giving him? And it's not just about Money. The wise men gave gold because it was the costliest thing they had. But the question is, what's the most valuable thing you have? And here, Jesus is not asking. Little baby Jesus didn't ask the wise men. They didn't show up and he'd be like, yo, you got any gold? He didn't say that. They came wanting to give it. If you give something to God, it's because you you want to. Not because he's asking. You choose. The question is this. Does what you are giving God reflect that he's your king? And I can't answer any of these questions. I just like to ask them and walk away. Perhaps today you need to give God yourself for the first time. Say, God, I'm going to give you the most costly thing. I'm going to give you my life. Can I tell you, he's a good king and he won't fail you. Whatever you give to God will only be made greater. So that's what he does. See here, I love this. Right? They gave Jesus gold. You know what he did with it? He paved the streets with it for you someday. Whatever you give to God, he takes and makes it greater. It's not like I take it and I'm going to lose it. Like, oh man, I'm going to give my life to God. Now there it goes. 
got no life. No, you give your life to God, he gives it back to you infinitely better. Because that's what he does. Because he's a good king. Perhaps today you need to come back to the king. Maybe you had followed him for a time, but you've wandered away, enticed by other kings, promising better things. And maybe those things have failed you, and if not yet, they will. Jesus is the kind of king who forgives and offers grace and welcomes back. He doesn't sit there and go, dude, you left me. You you had your chance. You know what he does? He's the king that stands there with open arms. And when you come into his presence, he's got joy all over his face. Come on back, man. Welcome back into the kingdom. He's the greatest king we'll ever know. Or perhaps today you simply want to thank God for being your king. You want others to know how good he is. See, if we, like the wise men, will give what we have to honor the king of all kings, here's what happens. Ready? The kingdom grows. Because we are the kingdom. The kingdom of God is people. It is us. It's not buildings. It's not structures. It's us. It's within us. In a few moments, Nick is going to come on up and invite the band to come on up and prepare as we close today. And they're going to play a familiar song. I want to just read the words before they, before they sing to you today. The song is this. It's Joy to the World. Anybody here? Anybody ever heard that one? Let's, let's listen to these words for a moment. It says this. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Ready? Let earth receive our King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. You ready? He rules the world with what? Truth and grace. Because that's the kind of king he is. With truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, and the wonders of his love. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Would you just pray with me for a moment, and then we're going to sing. Would you just just close your eyes for a moment? Let's pray. If you feel like you need to respond this morning, I just want to encourage you, please do. You can... The best time to respond to what you sense God might be saying to you is always now. So just in this moment, as, as I pray, just consider what God would be doing in your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you God, that you are that kind of king. And I ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see if you really are the king of our lives. God, are you truly that kind of king? Is what we are giving to you, Lord, a recognition who you are. Lord, it's more about more than the gift. It's not about what we give. It's not about our lives. It's not about gold. It's not about things. It's about what those things mean. What we're, what we're saying with what we're giving. So Lord, I ask you just to speak to us today. Whatever we need to hear from you in this moment, would you speak to our hearts? Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.